1: Alright, so check this out. When I was 10, my parents and I went to visit my grandmother for spring break. My cousin also came to visit and we decided we wanted to go to the YMCA for the day. My grandmother dropped us off and said she would come pick us up in four hours. On that day, the YMCA was empty. There were a couple of adults in the exercise room, but that's it. We went to the basketball court, and after about two hours of playing tag and shooting baskets, we got bored. Now, I've never been the biggest fan of swimming, but this YMCA had a pretty cool pool, so we changed into our bathing suits and we headed in there. The pool was empty except for the lifeguard. We played a bunch of games and swam laps, but after about an hour of that, there wasn't much left to do, and... There was no one except us to hang out with to keep things interesting. So, we decided to play a game of seeing how long we could hold our breath underwater. We stood in the shallow end near the clock on the wall so we could time ourselves. Instead of fully submerging, we just stuck our heads face down in the water. We did this a couple of times and I was winning. On our last round, I felt the tap on my shoulder. I figured it was my cousin giving up and telling me that I had won. But instead, it was the lifeguard who told me to knock it off or she was going to have to ask us to leave the pool. Since we were tired of being in the pool, we figured we would get out, get dressed, and go back to the basketball court until my grandmother came to pick us up. We only had an hour left anyways and the water was freezing. As we got out, The lifeguard stopped us and asked if we wanted to go into the sauna to warm up and dry off. The sign said 18 years or older, so of course we were super excited that she would allow us to do that. She walked us to the sauna and unlocked the door. The door was glass and the interior was made entirely out of wood. Inside above the door, there was a clock probably to help make sure that you weren't in there for an unsafe amount of time. The lifeguard stand was adjacent to the sauna, but if you looked out the door, you could clearly see it. She followed us in and went over to the thermometer encased in plastic and unlocked it so she could crank up the heat. I figured that she must have to turn it on each time, so I didn't think anything of it. Both my cousin and I were very short girls and so we couldn't see the temperature that was printed on the thermometer knob, but I know she was turning up the heat. Then she left and shut the door behind her. I thought I saw her lock the door too, but I thought to myself, why would she lock the door when we might want to get out? I checked the clock and decided that we should get out in about 10 or maybe 15 minutes, It was already plenty warm in the sauna, but now the room was blazing. It felt nice because I was so cold from the pool. After about 15 minutes, it was starting to get a little bit too hot, and my cousin agreed that we should leave so we can get dressed. I went to turn the knob on the door, but it wasn't budging. I thought maybe it was jammed, so I shook it, but it still wasn't opening, and then I let my cousin try. She couldn't get it open either. We figured the lifeguard would be back in a couple of minutes, so we sat back down and we waited. The room was getting hotter now, too, and I really just wanted to leave. I got up and I started banging on the door and shaking and twisting the knob, trying to get the lifeguard's attention. My cousin got up and joined me. We started screaming at the top of our lungs for her to let us out, but she just stared straight ahead i don't think there's any way that she couldn't have noticed or heard two little girls banging and kicking the door and screaming now we had been in there for about 25 minutes it was so hot in the sauna that it hurt to breathe it felt like my lungs were on fire my eyes and my skin were burning we sat back down and put our towels over our heads because they were still a little bit damp and that made it easier to breathe. I was so worried about my cousin as she is a couple of years younger than me. I looked at the clock and I saw that we had been there for 35 minutes. I got up and I went to the door again and I saw that the lifeguard was still just staring straight ahead. Again I tried to get her attention by screaming that we needed out and banging on the door as hard as I could but still nothing. I was starting to get pretty dizzy, so I went to go sit back down, but the wooden seats of the sauna burned my skin. My towel was completely dry, so I put it underneath me to sit on. My hair was also dry, but I wrapped it across my face to cover my nose, and I squinted my eyes so that they didn't burn as bad, but I could still watch if anyone walked past the door. It helped a little bit. My cousin was laying face down with the towel over her head, not moving or saying anything, so I nudged her to make sure that she was still okay. She was, but I could tell that we really needed to get out of there soon because she seemed a bit disoriented. It's now been 45 minutes, and I was extremely nauseous. There was no way that the lifeguard would forget that we were in there and that she would have to come back soon, but... There was this little voice in my head telling me that maybe she purposely locked us in there. Finally, a man walked past the door towards the pool, but for some reason, I just couldn't get up. My whole body was on fire, and I felt so dizzy. Luckily, this man wasn't going to the pool. He wanted to be let into the sauna and came back with a lifeguard. I saw them walking this way, and... I immediately jumped up to grab my cousin. I knew now that for sure she had locked us in there because she pulled out her keys to unlock the door and to let the man in. I didn't want to take any chances of us being trapped in there any longer, so as the man was trying to walk in, I was trying to shove our way out. As we were going out, the lifeguard started trying to shut the door and to push us back in with it. The man was clearly confused about what was going on and said, Ah, I think I want out. The lifeguard let out a sigh and opened the door fully and we ran away as fast as we could into the changing room. We only had about 10 minutes before my grandmother was supposed to pick us up. We were both so shaken by what just happened that we didn't say anything to each other as we got dressed or on the car ride home. When we got back to the house, my parents were making us dinner, and I told them the story of what had just happened. They thought that I must have been exaggerating, and they didn't believe me. I truly think that that woman was going to let us cook alive in there. The only bit of doubt that I have is what would have happened if we actually died. She obviously would have gotten the blame. What was her endgame? I'm 21 now. But I think about this interaction all the time, and when I'm in small spaces, or if I get too warm, I still have panic attacks. No one believes this story, and I get it. It's pretty absurd. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to ask for opinions here, but do you think that this could have been some crazy misunderstanding? Or do you think that she really left us in there to die? And why? Well. To the lifeguard at the YMCA. Please, let's not meet again. Hey, can I tell you
0: a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday.
1: I was an extremely small and sickly child. I looked young for my age. My family and I lived out of town about 8 miles out. Our little community was next to a highway. The school bus would drop me off two blocks away from my home. One day, I noticed a red truck following slowly behind me. So slow that I figured they were just looking for a house or something. I ignored it, and I walked to my house, and that was the end of that. I decided that enough was enough. I told my parents. Now, of course, my sister was quick to jump in that I was just lying. I I did have a habit of telling stories. But my mom, thankfully, believed me. She drove me to the bus stop the next morning, and the red truck was there, across the street at the gas station. Pointing toward the bus. I got on the bus and my mom decided to drive around the truck. She described the scene. The man was disheveled and dirty, hunched over in his seat, just staring at the bus. His license plates were caked in mud so she couldn't make them out. It freaked her out so much that she called the police and the school. I went to school and was quickly pulled into the office. The man had been spotted at the school, waiting in his red truck. That day, I rode the bus home, and this time, the truck was parked along the street. I would have to walk past this man's driver's side door to get home. I debated and considered running for it. Apparently, this man was getting desperate now that he was spotted. A police car showed up and I talked to the policeman they went to go talk to the man. He quickly pulled away from the curb and sped off down the highway. Never saw him again and I don't believe that he was ever caught. Because of this experience, I'm extremely guarded and paranoid with my own daughter and her soon-to-be sibling. The world is a terrifying place these days and children go missing so easily. I don't like to think about if I had been grabbed. I wouldn't be here typing this. My kids wouldn't exist. I was lucky, but many children aren't. So, to the stranger with ill intentions, let's not meet. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual
0: mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply.
1: My friends went to Mexico for a vacation and asked me to house it and to take care of their dogs while they were gone. They paid me $40 a day just to sit around and let the dogs out when they needed to go. I'm disabled, so that actually helps a lot. And This is a semi-rural area and houses are roughly a quarter mile apart. Police have to come from town, about 15 miles away and response time can be well over an hour. I always take my pistol with me. It's always been quiet when I've stayed there, but this time was different. I was in the shower when the dogs started barking and growling. They're big, large German Shepherds, and one is actually police trained. The owners loan him to county as a drug dog, and if you tell him to be quiet, he obeys. But this time, The dogs didn't obey, so I was on high alert. I shut off the water and I looked out the window. I didn't see anything, but when I walked out of the bathroom, I saw a shadow go across the bedroom window. That's because they have lights around the house that stay on all night. I whispered to the dogs to hush, and they did. That's when I heard a man's voice. I couldn't make out everything he was saying, but... I did distinctly hear two words, come around, so I'm sure there was more than one person. I ran into the living room with my pistol and I saw the door handle start to turn. I yelled, I have a gun and I will use it. And then I heard feet running away. I went to tell Siri to dial 911 and I got to the county sheriff pretty fast She said there were two cars on another call not far away, but it would take about 20 minutes for them to get to me. That's better than the usual hour, but I was pretty shaken. I explained that I was on a farm and would have to go down to the road and unlock a cattle gate to let them in and to please tell the officers that I would be carrying a pistol and please don't shoot me by mistake because I was not going outside the house without it. The dispatcher said, Oh, no, do not go out there without your gun. I will tell them. That's the one good thing about living in a red state. She asked if I can see the road, and I said I can, so she said to wait in the house until I saw the blue lights. I hung up, and I called my friends in Mexico. Their camera footage can be downloaded via an app, and they said they would go through it while I waited for the cops. I locked the house and I went down to the gate, where the police arrived. They searched the whole place, including the barn, but they didn't find anyone. While they were looking, my friends texted me the camera footage. There was a man on the porch. Unfortunately, the cameras weren't angled to get a shot of his face, and of course it was dark. I still think that there was more than one creep because of what he said. Come around. The police were very nice, and they said that they had passed a man on a bike on the way, which is strange for this area, especially at night, and they went to go look for him, but that's really all they could do. They took a full report, but never caught the creep. My husband came and stayed with me for the rest of their trip. One of the neighbors said that he found a tent and some gear in the woods a few weeks before, so somebody was living back there. Maybe a homeless person from town. I have house sat again since then and it's been pretty quiet. They're going away again for Christmas and I'll be there too. A lot of people ask me if I would have shot the creep had he broken in. And yeah, absolutely. I would be sorry that I had to hurt somebody, but it's them or me. So, to the creepy porch guy... Let's never meet again. This happened to me the weekend of Halloween, and I personally don't like talking about it, but I've been told by my friend to share it just to get it off my chest. Me and a friend were invited to a house party just for college students in the richer area of town, so... The house was huge with an acre of land and a pool area, too. This party was themed to be a little naughty, so my friend dressed in a sexy nurse outfit, and I dressed as a belly dancer. The majority of the party took place in the house, and there was maybe like 70 people because the house was very spacious, so it wasn't too difficult to get around. I'm not much of a drinker, but I did have some juice that was available. Some friends pulled me and my friend over to take some pics and I sat my drink down. After what felt like an hour of just taking pictures, I found my cup and I took another sip, not even worrying that I left my cup alone for so long. Then, a man came up to me who looked to be in his late 20s, maybe early 30s. He said my boyfriend's name and said that he's been trying to call me, That's when I realized that I didn't have my phone on me. I have loads of respect for my boyfriend. We always make sure to stay in contact with each other, and since he had to work, I promised that I would contact him, but I had just forgotten. The man said it's urgent and said I can use his phone to call in one of the rooms. So, not thinking at all, I followed the man. If my boyfriend really wanted to call me, then I knew it would be something Terrible. As we entered the room, I felt as if I had just ran a mile and I felt winded. The man closed the door behind me and sat me on the bed and gave me his phone. I started to feel more weak, like I'd just got a migraine and I just couldn't make the call. Then I was helped to lay down, and within seconds, I was out cold. I woke up later. Not sure where I was or what even happened. I found my friend rubbing a napkin on my tummy while yelling. It took me a bit to come back to reality and I realized I was in a bedroom with my friend cleaning some stuff off of me. That's when I had a panic attack and just realized that I quite possibly may have been abused. My friend calmed me down and told me that that didn't happen... She explained that she couldn't find me anywhere and assumed that I went to the bathroom, but after some minutes, I still didn't show, so she went to look for me, eventually checking the bedrooms and found me laying in bed with the guy sipping something out of my belly button. Apparently, he was drinking shots with my unconscious body and sucking alcohol out of my belly button, licking salt from my chest, and then kissing my lips. She didn't know how long this went on for, but I immediately felt sick and even coughed up just from the thought. Thankfully, my boyfriend got off of work early and my friend told him what happened. He picked me up while my friend asked around about the guy, but of course, no one knew of him or recognized him. I was taken to urgent care and was looked at, Thankfully, nothing was wrong with me and the drug in my drink didn't cause any further harm than just knocking me out. Now, I wish the story ends there, but I started to receive texts from a random guy. At first, he was just asking me random things and I just didn't reply, but then he showed me a picture of my torso and started saying creepy things to me and even giving me the impression that he was stalking me. This is still going on today, just texting me randomly. I've had the idea to try and bait him one of these days and finally bring some backup with me to catch him, but I don't know how smart he can be and what he'll do to me if things don't go as planned. It was October 31st, Halloween. At the time, my parents were still together and hadn't divorced yet, so me and my siblings, we stayed with each other, but my family did this thing where half of us would go with my mother, and the other half would go with my father. I have five siblings, but at this time, my little sister wasn't born, so it was just four. Me and my sister three years younger than me went with my dad and my little brother, and my sister went with their mother. I had called up some friends to ask them if they wanted to go trick-or-treating with me and only one of my friends said that they could make it. Let's just call her Elle. My dad picked up Elle and we drove to this big neighborhood. Beautiful houses and a lot of candy. Me and Elle wandered off while my dad stayed with my sister. I was very hyper and from time to time I would run off and leave my friend behind, so I could get more candy and get to every house before Halloween was over. Halfway through trick-or-treating, Elle and I walked so far that no more kids were around us. We chatted about school and drama and what we were going to do with our candy, stuff like that. After what I would say was seven minutes, we heard a scraping sound, like someone was scraping something on the concrete. We turned around to the sound, and we saw a person dressed in a killer clown costume, walking with a bat. Now, me and Elle, we were walking in the middle of the street, confused and a little scared. I had always hated clowns, so I sped up a bit, and so did Elle. Now, me and Elle were walking in the middle of the street, confused and a little scared, I had always hated clowns, so I sped up a bit and so did Elle. We kept turning our heads around to see the clown. After about 30 seconds, the clown stopped walking and just stood there, facing us. Now, at this point, it's quiet and we're very scared, so we told each other that we should go meet up with my dad. We whip our heads to see the clown once more and out of nowhere, he starts running. It's a full sprint towards us, and we burst out running as well, screaming and not even paying attention to where we were running to. It was a steep and quiet road, like a back road that used to be in my old apartments. The clown is screaming with us, and I didn't turn back, but L later on told me that the clown was holding his bat up like he was going to hit us with it. Me and L hit a corner that led to a familiar street. We crossed the street without a thought in our heads and when we reached the other side it was very quiet. We didn't hear anyone screaming anymore. The clown was gone. He was no longer behind us and after running around we found my dad and we told him everything. He believed us because of our tears and our screams and also most likely because we were 9 year old kids and the look of terror on our faces as well. My worst fear is now killer clowns and forever will be. Me and Elle will never forget that moment, and we talk about it from time to time to this day. It traumatized me. Thinking back at it now, the clown might have been some dumbass teenager in a costume trying to scare little kids. What a sicko. Let me start by saying that I don't believe, even after this, I don't believe in ghosts. My first apartment after college was a nice second floor, so there was only one way in. When you came in my door, there were steps that went into my place. A few months later, I had laid down to go to bed. It's about 1am or so, and a few minutes after that, I heard clopping sounds like a horse, not like regular footsteps. I rolled over to see some light under my bedroom door with whatever it was walking up to the door and just standing there. Unfortunately, I was cleaning my gun in the living room earlier and forgot to bring it back into my bedroom, so I was laying there like, Jesus, what now? I'm not a scared man by any means, but I had the feeling that if I were to get out of bed and open the door, it wouldn't have been good. About five minutes later, I've gone by and then whatever it was, turned to the right and then stomped off. I stayed awake all night and I waited until the sun was up all the way before I got up. My front door wasn't broken or ajar, so I went to the hardware store and I got one of those bar locks you put inside that makes it impossible to open... From the outside. Two nights later, I was woken up by the same sound, clomping like a horse. And for some reason, this time, it had me far more terrified. The light from last time had an orange-red tint to it, along with that I could hear some heavy breathing, and after a few minutes, the doorknob started to be messed with. I had warned who or whatever it was that I had a firearm, and I will use it if the activity doesn't stop immediately and to this day I swear I heard some kind of weird deep almost guttural laugh. I got the nerve to get out of bed and stand in front of my door about six or seven feet back. I racked it to put one in the chamber and I gave a final warning. Just for some clarification the way my apartment was set up was that there was nothing towards the way I was facing, just a large wooded area, so I knew there was no risk of someone being hit, especially at around 2 a.m. this time. I looked down, and it seemed the light had begun to get brighter. Then I swear I had started to smell sulfur, so I gave one more warning, and then I shot three times through my door two a little high, and one a little lower basically where I thought I would be close to the head and neck and then close to the chest or stomach area. And it was almost instantly, the shadow under the door was gone, along with the light and the smell of sulfur ceased immediately. No lingering funk, no nothing. I very slowly opened the door and even slower went through my place. Nothing. There was nothing there. I was confused and terrified and honestly, I was shook. My apartment was in, at the time, an area where gunshots aren't really ever reported unless someone was hit and needed an ambulance. Needless to say, I was up for the rest of the night sitting in my living room and I don't think my heart went pounding for a couple of hours straight. It would have been too expensive to break my lease So I stayed for another 3 months until my lease was up, but since that last interaction, it never happened again. I just know that it scared the shit out of me. I had never had anything like that happen before that apartment, or since. This is the first time that I've ever told this story. Never to a friend, my girlfriend, or any family members. All I know is that it scared the crap out of me. Again. I don't believe in ghosts, I still don't, but whatever this was, was terrifying. Does anyone have any theories of what it was that I experienced? Now, to be honest, and it makes me sound crazy, but I think it was a demonic presence of some sort. I'm just glad that I got up the nerve to have a direct confrontation and stopped it. Christ, even telling the story still gives me the heebie-jeebies, I'm very sorry for the long rant, but like I said, it's the first time I've publicly shared this story and I wanted to try not to leave anything out. It just terrified me. Alright, so check this out. This happened about 15 years ago. I was 21 years old and living in my very first apartment. It was a small bachelor apartment in a sketchy area. I grew up in a town that was known to be rough and tough. I knew how to handle myself and I learned at a young age to keep my head down and not to go looking for trouble. My apartment building was behind a bar. A lot of the customers of the bar would stand outside to smoke when they stood outside to smoke, they would be looking at my apartment. Most of the people who were out smoking just kept to themselves. A few would nod and say hello if I passed by, but there were never any issues until one evening. One evening, I came home from work. I passed the bar and saw this extremely tall man outside smoking. As I passed, he stared at me. I gave him a slight nod but he didn't acknowledge, he just continued to stare. It made me uncomfortable but I didn't really think much of it. About an hour later I hear a knock on my door. It was odd because you have to buzz people into the building and the building only had 8 units and I didn't really know any of the neighbors. I froze because I didn't really want to talk to anyone but the knocking continued. I finally shouted out who is it but there was no response I shouted again who's there and a voice says it's Tom I didn't know anyone named Tom so I shouted back I don't know anyone named Tom you must have the wrong apartment and the voice said you may not know me but I know you open up so we can talk I went over to the peephole and it was the tall dude from the bar. I loudly told him to leave or I was going to call the cops. I heard footsteps walk away and I heard the building door open and then close and he was gone. Or so I thought. A few minutes later I peeked out the window and he was standing in the parking lot. He seemed to be talking to himself. Now at this point I'm freaking out. I called my landlord who lived in the building next to me and he told me to call the police and that in the meantime him and his brother would come check things out well i call the police and i tell them what's going on they said a car is on the way meanwhile my landlord and his brother make their way to the parking lot and i watch out my window and i see them approach the tall dude tall dude takes one look and then bolts. My landlord and his brother try to chase him, but tall dude gets away. About five minutes later, the police arrive. I give my version of events and also a description of the man. The officer stares at me and says, well, we've had reports of a man matching that description who has been sexually assaulting women. Thank God you didn't open that door. A few days later, I get a call from that officer. He told me that part of their investigation was talking to the owner of the bar. The owner called the police when the tall dude reappeared after a few days, and the police responded, and they arrested him. So, tall, creepy dude from the bar. It was a close call, but I sincerely hope I never see you again. Two years ago, I moved to the UK for university as I always wanted to go there and I just wanted to get away from my parents as the situation at home was beginning to become too toxic for me. In first year at uni, I moved into a student accommodation and I met some really great people. It was a good year and without meeting my boyfriend, who I'm still with, and just enjoying my time away from my family and discovering what independence really means. Anyhow, as second year came by, I decided with some friends to move into a house rented by student accommodations, but at least we had our own house, and we weren't restricted as much with noise and parties as living in a small shared flat like we were in first year. Now, here's a note. I had a ground floor room, and my window gave into a very small backyard in which I would go smoke every day as I am a smoker, and in which there would be a very thin wooden door giving in to the other side of the streets, where you would put your bins and broken chairs at and blah, blah, blah. The door could only be closed and locked from inside the backyard, but since it was an old door, we had to attach some strings to keep it closed for good. I had neighbors on each side of the house, so we were surrounded by families and some other student accommodations. The neighbors on the right of us were five boys who looked way over the age of being in university. They were strange, so to say. I met one of them outside of our house one day because of a police intervention due to one of his flatmates attacking him and the others with a kitchen knife and burning their kitchen down. I heard some screams and so I went outside with my flatmates and saw one of them being covered in blood and cuts everywhere on his arm and a wound on his head, inflicted by a kitchen knife. Me and my flatmates didn't know what to do so we offered him our help to clean himself and we gave him an old t-shirt to change out of his bloody clothes. When we saw the guy who hurt these flatmates being escorted out by the police and into a van. driven off to be arrested now I don't know anything more about these guys or the story and the police didn't really tell us anything else anyway the guy who we helped was quite weird I mean he said a lot of BS and kept trying to grab me and flirt with me and we noticed when we were helping him he smoked quite a lot of weed but we didn't really care at the moment as we just wanted to make sure he was okay and we didn't really know him Then after some time had passed, I would go to uni and come back home and see him quite often in the street and just never said a word to him again. But one day, he came up to me in the street while I went to the corner shop and started talking to me weirdly and I didn't feel comfortable at all with that for some reason so I just didn't respond to him. He then said, Oh, that's okay. I'll just wait in front of your house then and we can talk more no need to say, I was creeped out and just thought he was joking so I bought my drink at the shop and I headed back down to my street and as I turned into the street where my house was I saw him with his flatmate sitting on my doorstep waiting for me. So I panicked and went back next to the corner shop and I called my only guy flatmate to ask him to open the door and to tell the guys to go away but Obviously, he wasn't home, and nobody else was either. So, I literally just waited it out until they left one hour later, and then I sprinted back home, and I locked my front door. Now, again, my front door had a glass panel on it where you would be able to kind of make out who was standing in front of it. After this already pretty scary encounter, I just tried to avoid the guy altogether, and, you know... I mostly succeeded for a while but then one day as i went smoking in the backyard i noticed that the wooden door which is always closed was open and the strings that we put there to keep it closed had been cut off for whatever reason i didn't think anything of it and i just closed the door again and put a new string on it thinking it was one of my flatmates who took the bins out and just forgot to tie it back my weird neighbors would very often scream and yell and fight in their house, and it would wake me and my flatmates up in the middle of the night. But I guess we kind of got used to it after a while. But one evening, my boyfriend slept over like he usually did, and he, who usually never wakes up because of noise, woke up in the middle of the night because of a bang and some whispering. I was sound asleep, so he very silently woke me up. And we both just waited in the dark and listened for any other noises. Suddenly, we heard the wooden door bang. It just shot open and some footsteps next to my window. Now, I always had my window open because it would get really warm inside, so we both just froze. And then we heard the door leading to the backyard get shaken softly as if they were trying to get inside. But then they stopped. Luckily, we had the curtains closed so they couldn't see us, but we were ready to get dressed and get the frick out of the room and lock them in if they came in from the window. Then we heard my window move and then get more open, and one of the guys sang something in a different language that we didn't understand and started to hear them trying to get in. My boyfriend and I shot up out of the bed. I grabbed my phone I put my clothes on and i ran out of the room and then out of the house so i then called my flatmates and told them to lock themselves in their rooms and call the police luckily they arrived in less than five minutes as their police station were just a couple of streets down from us i don't remember anything after the police came i think me and my boyfriend were in shock they ended up catching one guy and the other guy fled but He was later found just a few streets up smoking weed. The police later told us that they went inside their house and found a bunch of meth and heroin and one of them was carrying a massive kitchen knife. I was so confused as I'd never done anything to offend or do anything wrong to my neighbors so the idea of them breaking in with god knows what intentions with a kitchen knife terrorized me and my boyfriend. The two guys ended up being arrested and one of them was put in prison for two years for carrying a weapon with the intention to harm. I never heard anything else from the police and I moved back home a few months later because I was so scared and it tormented me for months on end not knowing what would have happened if my boyfriend didn't wake me up. I'm now still coping with it and I'm finding it really tough to get over. I'm always asking myself, what if, you know? I now very often wake up because of the slightest noise and I get horrible nightmares because of it. But hey, at least I'm still with my boyfriend and we talk about it a lot and that helps. I recently found this thread so I thought I would share my experience. This happened when the Night Stalker show was really big on Netflix so it was fresh in our mind because we were watching it. Earlier in the day, I was in my room with my dogs and my roommate when we thought we heard the door open. We didn't think much of it until my roommate left the room a few minutes later and started screaming and the dog that followed her was going nuts as well. The front door was wide open and somebody saw her and fled. They had been in our house and presumably heard us in the room chatting while doing who knows what. The dog ran the person off. We were really startled but we figured that it was over and we started locking the door and that was that. But later that night, as we were watching the last episode of Night Stalker, we heard the doorknob jiggle. Now, it's like 2 a.m., so we paused and we looked at the door, kind of shook and confused. And when it finally registered what was happening, my roommate started to yell for them to go away and that the police were on their way. My dumb self isn't too fond of calling the police, so I hesitated. But then they started banging something against the door to try and break it down. I grabbed my roommate, the dogs, and my partner, And we all rushed into another room to put more doors between us while police were on the way i also had to stop my partner from trying to go out with the sword because we didn't know what this person might have or be trying to do luckily he couldn't break the door down before police arrived and he finally fled they caught him and he fought so he's in jail for a lot longer than he would have been he admitted to the police that he heard women when he came into the wrong house earlier but no man so he thought he would come back to find a friend. They never found the weapon that he used on our door and he won't say what it was but it messed up the metal pretty badly. This happened about 10 years ago. I was in graduate school at the time, working on my master's degree for clinical social work. My practicum was at a confidential shelter which housed women and children seeking shelter from domestic violence. Since I was an intern, I worked a lot of late night shifts. After closing up the shelter, I headed home. It was after midnight, and the roads were fairly empty. I lived in a smaller town at the time so this wasn't entirely unusual. As I approached the stoplight, I noticed a man just a few yards away walking toward the crosswalk. I suddenly felt very anxious and I had an unsettling feeling, so I immediately locked my car doors. This was before I had a car with automatic locks. I usually drove around without locking my car doors as I had never felt unsafe while doing so, I felt better after having locked my doors and I pulled up to the red light. Staring ahead, I noticed the man never crossed the street. I glanced to my right where I had seen him earlier and came face to face with his face pressed up against my passenger side window. I screamed, I honked my horn and I told him to go away, but he continued just standing there, staring at me. Then he tried the handle of the door without success. I continued screaming at him, honking my horn, and waiting for the red light to change. The man straightened up. He stepped away from the passenger side door and moved quickly to my driver's side door, again trying the handle, but no success. He stood with a wide stance next to my car as though he was lunging. At that moment, I thought to myself, hey, screw it and I slammed the gas and I ran the red light. The man kind of stumbled when I did this and I think I ran over his foot while I was escaping. When I arrived home, I woke up my husband to tell him and to call the police. The police never found the man as by the time they sent someone out, he was already long gone. The police officer did commend me though for running the red light and as well as for potentially running over his foot. So, to the creepy man who tried to get into my car in the middle of the night, let's not meet. This happened when I was young. I was about 8 or 10 years old. I remember it perfectly, but I've confirmed the details with my mother, and the memory of it still sends chills down both our spines to this day. It was broad daylight on a Saturday and I was in the town center with my mom. The streets were busy and people were bustling past. We paused at a shop front that sold ornaments, you know, the ugly old-fashioned kind that uh, old grannies like. We'd often stop to look at them and laugh at how expensive they were, wondering how that place even stayed open. I was a real chatterbox as a kid and was talking very animatedly to my mom about something or other, facing her as I did so. Like it was yesterday, I remember her smiling face and how it suddenly dropped. Her jaw hung open and her eyes were as big as dinner plates. She just stared at me silently for a few seconds, then grabbed my arm and pulled me away. Her fingers were digging into my arm as she dragged me into the crowd walking as fast as she could without running. Me being that kid, I squealed and loudly kept saying, "'What are you doing? Ouch. Mom, you're hurting me. That hurts. Where are we going?' while trying to stop her. Well, she gritted her teeth and silently dragged me for about three streets before stopping somewhere less busy for a second— It was only then that she let go of my arm, rubbing it and looking extremely upset. Looking me dead in the eye, she explained that as I was talking outside the shop, she had noticed an old man stood behind me. He was dirty and disheveled, like the horror movie stereotype of a creepy old man. I had long, pretty hair as a girl and people stopped us all the time to remark on it especially when I wore it loose. This old man had very gently lifted a handful of my hair in his hand, and he was smelling it. He was tickling his nose as he did so. I was so clearly absorbed in telling my story that I hadn't even realized I was being touched. My mother made eye contact with the man as he opened his eyes while inhaling the smell of my hair. He gave her an absolutely nauseating, toothy grin, quickly dropping my hair and waving at her, waggling his fingers all cutesy-like. You know, whoopsie, you caught me, with that vibe, clearly knowing exactly what he was doing. He then disappeared into the throng of people moving past. My poor mother immediately felt sick and just went into autopilot dragging me away as fast as she could in the opposite direction. I didn't even know how to react when she told me what happened, except to be horrified and so glad that we had gotten away safely. I still walk past that shop and the memory of my mother's haunted expression makes me feel ill. So, creepy old man, let's not meet ever Here's a very short, but a terrifying moment. I had just finished going on a short night cruise with some friends. It was one of their birthdays. We had a great time. We did the uh, standard night out thing with dancing, meeting, and flirting with new people. Just enjoying the summer night. It was midnight when I disembarked and entered the parking garage. I took the elevator to the bottom floor of the garage and got to the door of my car when I heard a loud bang of the door to the garage elevator slam open into the wall. I turned around to find a guy who was relatively tall and wide, maybe 300 pounds, screaming in this guttural rage, sprinting at breakneck speed toward me. He was surprisingly nimble and very fast for his weight, running in between cars in a straight line to where I was standing standing. His eyes were wild and opened so wide you can see his entire iris with plenty of the whites of his eyes to spare. His gaze was locked directly on me. I was just frozen in absolute shock, confusion, and terror. I couldn't even think of the rational thing to do which would have been to get in my car and lock the doors. There was no way a little guy like me could take this guy on and obviously seemed ready to beat me into a state of unconsciousness or worse i wondered whether i had accidentally hit on his girlfriend on the boat cruise or whether i was about to get mugged as quickly as it started when he was about three quarters of the distance from the elevator to me he came to a complete stop he stopped screaming and his face relaxed into this neutral placid and blank, but still attentive, stare. He proceeded to turn around and walk at a regular pace back towards the elevator. He pushed the button, got in, and left without ever looking back. I just stood there for a moment, nervously chuckled to myself, and and I drove home. I'm assuming that I was getting trolled, but the odd thing was the two of us were the only ones on that level and he didn't have any recording device that I could see. He had no one to show off to and nothing to post to YouTube to get views for a prank or anything. I didn't see anyone follow me into the garage entrance, and I don't know why he got off on my level to begin with. Was he expecting me to be there, and if so, how did he know that I was there? Do you have any thoughts on this? It doesn't make any sense to me. So, I'm 16 years old, 17 in one week, and I haven't had many interesting things happen to me that are worth talking about, but I wanted to share this experience of my mother's that she had while she was in college. It's something my family and I joke about with her now, but at the time, it greatly affected her life and was definitely a situation in which she feared for the worst. During the end of my mom's senior year of high school, she began dating a guy named Jeff. He was the type of person that everyone wanted to be around. He was funny, entertaining, just an all-around nice guy. However, they had been dating for almost a year when my mom realized that Jeff didn't necessarily, well, believe in a monogamous relationship. He thought it was perfectly okay that he be with other women while with my mother as much as he wanted, but my mom couldn't be with anyone else but him. It was all very contradictory, as he would fool around with other women, but he was really possessive over my mother and overall super controlling. Now, full disclosure, Jeff never laid a finger on my mom, but he was incredibly emotionally and verbally abusive. They dated on and off for a while, but once summer was coming to an end and my mom's freshman year of college was inching closer, she knew that Jeff wasn't good for her and she ended their relationship. Now, this is where everything starts to go downhill. My mom says that by this time, Jeff started to do drugs which ones she didn't know, but they were enough to push him over the edge. They ended up both going to the University of Alabama, and it was then that the stalking started. My mom began to see Jeff everywhere. It was always when she was off campus, figuring that he wanted to ensure that she wasn't hanging around any other guys. They attended classes on opposite sides of the university, so... She never saw him during school hours, but Jeff was still possessive and abnormally clingy even after they had broken up. At this point in the story, my mom is dating a guy named Chris. He was the typical, good-looking, rich guy that almost every girl had a crush on. They had gone out to dinner one night and headed back to his place for a movie. It should be mentioned that in Chris's living room, there was a large window in which you could see out into the street from where you sat. Chris and my mom were on the couch watching their movie when the environment shifted. My mom's eyes flickered over to look outside, and standing under the dim yellow light of the street lamp at the corner of the sidewalk was Jeff, staring at my mom and Chris from a fair distance. This wasn't the first time that my mom caught Jeff following her and being fed up with the bullshit, she marched outside and told him to leave her and Chris alone. Now, I'm not sure whether he left after that or not, but it was for sure not the last time she would have to confront him. During my mom's senior year, Jeff started to do more than just follow her around on dates. My mom lived in an apartment complex off campus at this time. It was a nice little area with polite neighbors that she quickly made friends with. Eventually, Jeff found out where she lived. He started to show up out of nowhere, and pretty much everyone who was close with my mom was aware of Jeff. She told me that she would be chatting with her neighbors in the apartment complex's courtyard when they would point out Jeff staring at her from outside the gate. They joked about it with her to ease the tension, but they knew how serious it really was. Jeff, at this point, started to become somewhat of a threat to my mom. On one particular night, my mom's roommates were not in the apartment with her. She didn't exactly know where they were, but she knew she would be the only one in the house that night. Her room at the time wasn't really dark. The curtains that she had covering the windows didn't do much as the light from the outside would still seep through. My mom has always been a very light sleeper, usually never getting a good night's rest as the slightest movement or sound wakes her. That night, something alerted my mother enough to disturb her sleep. Her eyes adjusted to the slight darkness and... Almost immediately, she noticed the figure of a man standing at the foot of her bed, peering over her body as she slept. My mom knew it was Jeff instantly, and she screamed angrily at him to get out of her house. Startled, she jumped from the bed, finding a window of opportunity to escape as Jeff began to move to the other side of the bed. My mom ran out of the complex opening her front door to find two of her neighbors were already there. The walls of the complex weren't thick at all, and so the screaming was able to get their attention. That was the night she finally called security on him. My mom told me that she lived on the first floor, but still has no idea how Jeff broke in, or how long he was standing there, and what his intentions were. However, That wasn't the only time he broke into her apartment sometime later my mom came home with her roommates after a night out and she was pretty drunk and so she didn't even make it to her room passing out on the living room couch she stirred awake after a few hours of sleep and feeling dazed she noticed the silhouette of a person once again standing still in her kitchen in her drunken state My mom figured it was one of her roommates, quickly shrugging it off and then falling back asleep. It hit her later on that the figure was indeed Jeff, and he had broken in just to make sure that she was at home and not out with some other guy. Jeff had broken into her house more than just those two times though, mainly when she wasn't home, and it angered him when he realized she could have been out with a guy that wasn't him. My mom finally drew the line when Jeff slashed all four of her car tires, thinking that it would prevent her from going anywhere. She filed for a restraining order immediately following that. She never knew what happened to Jeff after that. Turns out he was too busy following her around that he let all of his grades slip and he wasn't able to graduate that year. Some time passed and she married my dad, who was also attending Alabama. I always wondered what it was that drove Jeff from the basic douchebag boyfriend that cheated to a whole drugged-out psycho that invaded the life of my mother for years. Alright, so check this out. This was just a few weeks ago. Me and my friend up the hobby of exploring abandoned buildings and urban exploring in our free time because we just found it to be fun and interesting. We're from Long Island, New York, where MS-13, the deadliest street gang in America, mainly operates out of some of the towns here. I was browsing around the internet for nearby places to explore for fun when I came around to the Pilgrim State Psychiatric Center in Brentwood, New York. We didn't put much thought into it and We just went. We parked in a parking lot from a good distance and started to walk through the woods to get there. I had done this before with other places and had never had this strange feeling before. Just the walk over, I felt uneasy like I never have before. There was trash everywhere and dirt mounds that seemed like they could have been dug up. We finally came around to the building which was conveniently easy to enter When we entered, we were greeted by dirty mattresses that seemed to have been placed there on purpose. We didn't talk to each other about how we felt because we didn't want to seem like wimps, probably. We went through the entire building, seeing many mattresses and old shoes. We got up to the top and, of course, it had just gotten dark out and we had a long walk back once we got out. We go back to the bottom of the building and we lose our way. Only way out was walking over a plank over an abyss. But that isn't the bad part. We crawl out through a window and start walking along the road to get back to my car. Two cops see us while they're driving around and come over to talk to us. You really shouldn't be going in there after dark, they said, and they let us go. We laughed it off and got back to the car. My friend called his cousin to tell him about what we did. He told us that MS-13 operates out of there and that we're lucky to be alive. I look up Pilgrim State Murder and sure as heck I see that multiple teens have been murdered there and in the woods where we walked through initially. Cops had dug and searched the woods before to find missing teenagers so I connected the dots between that and the mounds of dirt that I saw before. I went to bed that night shaking about the thought that I could have been killed for entering their territory. If you want, you can look it up. It's Pilgrim State MS-13 Brentwood, or something like that. So, to MS-13, please, let's not meet. My friend and I had decided one summer night to go to this place called The Slaughterhouse, Where I grew up, there was a lot of urban legends about this place and the road it was on, which was Empire Mine Road. The road was located in the Bay Area of California, and the road was shut down after many accidents had happened and it was deemed unsafe, although it was still open as a walkable trail. Well, we had decided to go alone. And I know, two youngish girls at night at an abandoned place. Not the smartest. Anyways... In the past, we had gone in a group of four or five people and always found other explorers there, so we didn't think much of it, and we felt pretty safe. I had brought a film camera with me, hoping to capture something possibly otherworldly on film to serve as evidence. I also brought my pocket knife, just in case there was a need and for peace of mind, because homeless people sometimes hung out down there and were always spreading rumors of satanic rituals, although I knew the ritual rumor was most likely BS. We started the 20-minute walk to the slaughterhouse itself, and this time, it felt really different. About a minute or two into the walk, I felt heavy with dread and fear, but I didn't want to say anything and creep out my friend or seem like I was chickening out. We made it up the final turn to a straightaway where it sounded like we were next to a freeway, But at this point we were at least a mile off from the nearest road the loud sounds of cars and car doors closing were supposedly the remains of all the accidents that happened along that road but i wasn't so sure i just figured sounds were being carried with the wind from faraway freeways and roads we made it down the final stretch and we hopped the fence and we were on the property the place was very different from the last time it looked as if it had been burned and the buildings were blocked off by rubble so there wasn't really much to do. I walked to buildings I had photographed at a previous visit for comparison and began joking to my friend as I started feeling a bit more comfortable. I don't remember what I was exactly doing but I turned my back on the building and my friend stared at me and dead seriously was like, come here now. And I walked over. I said, what's the matter? Apparently, she had seen a dark figure with red eyes behind me i didn't personally see it so i don't know if it was to scare me or not but as i stepped towards my friend i saw a dark truck traveling the road that we had just walked on this was really weird because the road was gated off and we parked in front of the gate which meant no one can come through without actually moving our car And our car hadn't been moved, so it would be nearly impossible for a car to get through the gate. The truck was dark and barely visible, with no lights on, and it didn't make any sound like road or engine noise at all. This dark truck pulled up to the gate that we had hopped and we heard yelling to, ''Get off my property.'' We couldn't see anyone in the truck and it was barely lit up, like I said. As soon as it was there, it was gone and with no sound either neither of us saw a gun but we both swore that he had one it was like let's get out before whoever or whatever comes back i nearly ran the mile back and i'm not somebody to run once we hit the final stretch i could see what looked like police lights we told each other to just remain calm and we'd be fine Once we got there, the police greeted us politely and we returned the politeness, hoping to score some points. They said that they had received a jumbled up call that was very odd, but what they caught was that there were people on the road. They seemed to be confused by the call as we were. My friend had said we were just walking the road to see the place at night and never actually hopped the fence and thank God they believed it. After a few insulting remarks of us being two females on a road at night, we were on our way. We stopped at a well-lit gas station to catch our breath and agreed we'd never do that again. I no longer live near this area, but after that I swore I'd never go back, certainly not at night. I still think about this night and everything that happened perplexes me. I told myself that it was just the owner, but it just doesn't make sense how they could have gotten through our car and that gate, and the confusion that the police had as well. I don't know, man. In addition, many of the photos I took turned up pitch black, even though I had flashlights and my flash on. I had a few develop and looked normal, but I just chalked it up to being bad film, but the same thing happened with the pictures I took on my phone as well. Overall, this experience puzzled me. I was 15, living in the Mojave Desert in Southern California during the 90s. Lots of wide-open space and not many people. One weekend, my dad and I took out our dirt bikes via trailer to the outskirts of a very small town called Barstow. It's midsummer, so not a lot of people are out riding, which is typically a common sight. The heat wave may have had something to do with it. After unloading the bikes, we decide to trek for a few hours keeping track of landmarks and marking trails with red cloth under rocks to find our way back. After some time of riding and refuel breaks, we crest a hill and see a dilapidated cabin. There are many lone buildings in the Mojave, but rarely are they cabins this place just felt odd right off the bat so being the intelligent people we were we decided to check it out we opened the unlocked front door while it's knob barely hung on it's a single room no bigger than a studio apartment but it's obvious people have been staying there there were candy wrappers and beer cans everywhere with recent dates A lone bucket outside reeked of heat-cooked human leavings. There was no furniture but a single wall-mounted bench and a fireplace. The ceiling had lots of people carving names, messages, and the typical hearts with a date and two people's names. I decided to sit on the bench. When I sat, I tucked my feet under the bench and put my toes on their tips onto the floor. When I did this, I felt the floor move. I look at the floor, which is now not attached to the rest of the rotted wood floor, and remove the cutout piece. It's about a two-foot square. I called for my dad, and he looks at the hole with the flashlight from his bike. It goes down about seven feet and back far enough for us not to see the end. This is when my dad shows his parental colors. He looks at me and says, Well, I'm too fat to check it out. You're going to need to see what's down there. I took this as a challenge, so I climbed down. It's a hallway carved out of the desert bedrock that goes back about 15 feet. I walk along until it opens up into a larger, circular room. The room is empty, but still pretty big. I walk around and I stub my toe. I look down and I see a metal rod fixed into the bedrock with a thick chain end welded on. Hmm. I look at the walls and they had these scratch marks from fingernails, lots of them. The more I looked, the more I see that there are bits of fingernails actually still in the rock. My eyes water and my heart starts to race, I'm legit freaking out here. I spider monkey right out of the entrance and tell my dad everything while trying not to cry. He looks worried, we get on the bikes and get into high gear. Following those red rags we left as landmarks was the most stressful time I can ever remember having. We get to the truck, load up, and we book it home. Dad hid the truck in the garage for a few days after that to be sure no one recognized it in case we were followed. We never went back, and I don't intend to. We did report it to the police, but never heard anything about it afterward. in high school my friends and i knew this guy named gene for whatever reason gene had a habit of telling extremely tall tales centered on himself just trying to make himself look cooler the most repeated one was his claim that in a nearby ravine a coven of druids practiced and were schooling him in ancient magic he always played them straight as if they were unquestionably true he never had any evidence They were always said in a matter-of-fact way, as though they didn't need evidence because they weren't the slightest bit unbelievable. Yeah, I'm a druid. A real one, so? Like that. While taking a walk one night, I happened upon a construction site. Being heavily into urban exploration, I explored the heck out of that site and, upon leaving, I tipped their porta-potty. I was still a bit immature and, I don't know, I thought it was funny after that whenever i found one well over it went one day i told some friends about it and gene ever the showman chimed in with oh that's nothing i like to burn them down arson was most assuredly not our thing and we knew gene was full of bull so we were surprised when calling his bluff he offered to prove it by showing us the fruits of his labors five of us piled into the car Only one of us had a car, and followed Gene's directions. The site was in a rural area with lots of big hills and dense forest, common in the Pacific Northwest. At a sharp elbow on a two-lane road was a gravel turnoff, leading maybe 100 feet into the woods to a gravel parking lot. This was the starting point for a number of hiking trails. There were no lights there, and the streetlight out on the road didn't show much through the trees, there weren't any other cars there. One of the trails began past a gate that was designed to keep off-roaders off the trails, and it took a sharp left from the back of the parking lot. The porta-potty had been about 30 feet or so up the trail, and on a later visit by day, we found out that Jean really did turn it into a puddle of blue goo. That night, we didn't get there we had a couple of flashlights and we all started up the trail as a group as far as i can recall we never heard any noises animal or human we got about halfway to the spot and then all of us stopped walking somebody whispered do you feel that and we all bolted down the trail piled into the car and got the hell out of there once on the road we compared thoughts i felt what everyone else did The deepest, most intense, raw fear that I've ever felt. It was like we suddenly faced impending death. It clearly indicated I need to leave right this instant. I can only guess there might have been a cougar or something, as they've been known to attack hikers, but we didn't see or hear anything. I've read that if a little voice in your head tells you to do something, it's usually a good idea to listen. Part of me wonders if Jean's porta potty fire pissed off some forest spirit or something. I've been back to that trailhead a few times during the day to show friends where this happened. I've also brought a friend who's sensitive, as they say, but they didn't pick up any vibes. One sunny day in the middle of spring, three of us were bored. And decided to go exploring we headed down an old canyon road that's pretty popular amongst us locals and once we parked we started walking along a relatively flat old dirt road overgrown by the long green grass there were lots of ladybugs too it was awesome there must have been millions of them all flying towards us as we were just walking along as we were walking we noticed an old abandoned house just a little ways off the path, surrounded and covered by oak trees. The small, rectangle, dilapidated house had one of those old wood shingled roofs featuring much of the same for the siding. The house looked to be from the 20s or 30s era with an old outhouse in the back. When we stepped up the two or three rotten steps into the house, We were greeted by an old sofa and armchair across from a really cool brick fireplace. In the bedrooms, we found old metal bed frames and mattress springs and stuff like that. The kitchen still had its old cabinetry with its doors hanging off the rusted hinges too. We split up to go explore the house and to take pics and to just generally poke around a little bit more. All of a sudden, we heard a loud thump that seemed to come from everywhere all at once. We all hurried out of the house at the same time and met up outside. As we all gathered outside, we shared the look of, what the frick? We sat outside and chilled just for a little while, calming down and chatting. It was a beautiful day out, 70s with chirping birds and chattering insects. As we sat in the overgrown wispy grass amongst the green lupins, We decided that we were idiots and we just heard a tree branch hit the house or something. So we headed back inside to explore a little more and I ended up sitting by myself in one of the condemned bedrooms. I decided to relax and just take a minute to chill. I was leaning back against the wall opposite an old rusted out mattress and frame with my eyes closed, just zoning out. But then all of a sudden there were three more loud thumps. They hit so hard, I felt it in my back that was against the wall. Dazed, I sat up and I didn't know what to do until I heard my two friends talking excitedly from outside. I darted out of the dilapidated front door towards my friends. As I finally got to them, we all just stared at each other with even more confusion this time. As I absentmindedly rubbed the spot on my back that was against the wall, I exclaimed again, what the frick? How the heck should we know what's going on? One of my friends asked. Like we said, it's just a freaking tree branch or something. So we all sat down, feeling defeated by the spooky old house, but yet, once again, we all ended up heading back inside so our friend could finish taking some pictures. My friend and I just hung out in the living room and with the old dilapidated brick fireplace. We checked it out to see if maybe we could find an old stash spot behind one of the bricks or something. and We were busy with this for a while until we both looked up and realized that it was starting to get dark outside. We looked at each other and we were all like, what happened to our buddy? So we start calling out for him and going room to room looking for him. We finally found him sitting outside, sitting in what was once a flower garden, still sprinkled with daffodils here and there amongst the tall grass. Dude, didn't you hear us calling you? You're only like 50 feet away from the house. He said, "Uh, no, I was actually out here calling for you guys. We all just thought it was weird that we didn't hear each other. After that, we all decided to start walking the one and a half miles back to the car. Just as we were all standing up and gathering our stuff to leave, we all hear this at the same time we hear the distorted sound of one of those old rotary telephones ringing. It sounded like it was coming from the house where the living room would be. We all stood there, frozen in place, looking at each other with wide eyes. Naturally, my friend that had been taking all the pictures was all, Shoot, I must have left my camera inside the old house. After a couple minutes of arguing over who was going to go get it, we all just decided to go back in together. When we were back inside, we realized it was getting pretty dark inside too, so we told them to hurry up. I stayed back in the forlorn living room while they all went off looking for the camera. As I was standing there waiting for them, I thought I heard a soft rustling sound coming from the ancient brick fireplace just behind me. But when I turned to look, there was nothing there, so I just figured it was maybe settling or there was a critter or something. Just as I turned back around to walk towards where my friends were, a freaking brick from the fireplace went smashing into the wall right in front of me. Of course, I screamed at the top of my lungs and went running outside, screaming to my friends to get the hell out of there. When my two friends finally came outside, they looked at me confused and asked, what, did you like get a spider on you or something? I relayed to them what had happened, but they didn't fully believe me at first when I was practically crying trying to convince them, they finally relented. We all agreed that that old house for sure felt very creepy. So, we all three quietly began making our way back to the old dirt road and out of there. On our way out, my backpack strap came loose and as I took it off to set it down to fix it, I happened to glance up and back toward the old house. Then I saw what looked to be a Dim, flickering light that appeared to be a candlelight in the main living room window that was facing us. I excitedly told my friends to look, and they saw it too. In the end, back at the car, we all just figured that maybe it was a homeless person living there or something. But then again, I know I was completely alone in that living room. There was nowhere for anyone to hide by that fireplace. And what about the distorted sound of that old telephone ringing? Alright, so check this out. This incident happened about five years ago. This is a story that I never really tell anymore because most people are either uncomfortable hearing it or make well-meaning comments about what I should have done in this situation without really understanding how differently your mind works when you're experiencing absolute panic. But you guys seem to get it, so here's my story. I was living in a relatively nice apartment in downtown Memphis, working as an ophthalmic technician. I arrive home from work at my usual time, it's about 4.30 in the afternoon. I unlocked my door and I went inside. I set my phone, my wallet, and my keys on the kitchen island, hearing my heavy metal front door swing shut loudly behind me, and began taking care of some errands around the house. Having grown up in a small town, it was habit for me not to lock my door during the day, especially when I knew that my husband would be home soon anyway but I've never forgotten to lock my door once in the five years since this day. I walked through my bathroom and into my large walk-in closet, and I began hanging up the laundry that I'd started earlier in the day before I left for work. My front door opened, and I smiled with a surprise. My husband was home a little early, and I happily called out to him, "'I'm in here, love.' but I was met with silence and slowly began to feel that sinking feeling of something is wrong crawl up my spine. I tried to shake it off, thinking my husband simply just didn't hear me and walked out into my living room and my kitchen area. Standing on the other side of my kitchen was a complete stranger. He was a male, older than me, and I would estimate he was in his fifties, but It's hard for me to recall exact facial features or details from this moment, and he was just standing there, staring at me. He had no ski mask, no weapons, just watching me. I wondered if he'd maybe walked into the wrong apartment and was going to apologize and leave, but as he continued to stare, I realized I needed to do something other than just gape at this stranger in my house. I stood taller, I puffed up my chest in an attempt to look more threatening, which honestly is hard to do as a small female, and I used a loud, clear voice telling him to get out of my apartment and that he had no business being there. He just completely ignored me, like I hadn't even spoken. Then he began to pick up my things, my cell phone, my keys, my wallet... He picked them up methodically and put them into his own pockets, and that's when it truly hit me that this person is dangerous. I was naive enough to believe that this was all a mistake until that moment. I darted forward toward the only other device that I had that would allow me to get help, which was my computer. I had to take a few steps closer to the intruder in order to reach it, but still had about 12 to 15 feet between us so i knew i could grab it and run before he could reach me as i picked it up and turned to run i saw him start to move after me and i sprinted back toward the bathroom because it was the only place that i could go and put two locked doors between us which would be my bathroom door and my closet door i slammed and i locked the first door and within seconds I could hear him messing with it trying to open it i ran into the closet and i locked that door too opening my computer and getting on facebook messenger to contact my husband i sent message after message pleading with him to call 911 and to tell them that there was an intruder in the apartment he got the messages within minutes and assured me that he had a dispatcher on the phone and was leaving work himself to try and get to me if he could. I waited, and waited. The bathroom door opened, and the intruder came inside. He moved to the closet door and started trying to break that door down, too. And here's the part where people usually start giving me advice on how I should have acted, but all I can tell you is that I was frozen, with fear, with shock. I mean, I don't know, but I didn't scream or cry or search for a weapon in that dark closet. I didn't brace the door or try to hold it closed. I just kneeled in my closet and waited to die because I knew that that was going to happen. People like to tell me that I lived in an apartment. Surely if I screamed, someone would have heard and came to help, right? Surely there was something heavy enough in my closet to use to defend myself. Hell, even the laptop that I had would hurt if I swung it at someone hard enough. Why didn't I do anything? I mean, even I don't really have an answer for that. But the closet door miraculously held. I heard frustrated footsteps go back out into the living area of my apartment. I heard things breaking. I heard bottles shattering my drawers and my refrigerator and cabinets being flung open as things were torn out of them. I continued to sit in that closet, silently crying, wanting to leave, but feeling that death was inevitable. I feel awful about my selfishness in that moment, but I messaged my mom, who lived a 14 hours drive away, and I told her what was happening. I desperately just wanted some comfort and to tell her how much I love her. I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine the fear and the helplessness that I put her through knowing her daughter was in danger and there was nothing that she could do to help. She messaged me constantly, begging me to keep replying. I told her I would for as long as I could, but I also told her to tell my brothers that I loved them and to help my husband through whatever happened next if it, well, if it ended badly for me. The intruder started messing with the closet door again, mumbling disjointed words that I couldn't really distinguish. I remember hoping that the police would get to the apartment before my husband so he wouldn't be the one to find me in whatever state this invader left me in. The front door opened again. And it was my husband shouting for me the intruder walked out towards the living room and kitchen area which is where my front door was located and i opened the door and i darted from the closet to find my husband on the ground with him pinning him down in place the man kept mumbling and at times yelling but never really put up much resistance now this entire part is a blur for me I remember feeling like the room was spinning, filled with fear, mostly for my husband at this point. Eventually, the police found the apartment. It took them about 25 minutes to arrive, which still blows my mind. I know time seems to move slowly during scary situations, so I thought it was less than that, but from the time my husband dialed 911 to the time officers arrived, It was 25 excruciating minutes. This isn't intended to bash them in any way, it just always seems like there was an unusually long response time for a home invasion. They got my things back from the man and they took him out of my apartment. I numbly went through the process of filing a police report, telling them what happened, And one of the officers commented that i really should keep my door locked at all times i remember feeling like he was being insensitive at the time or blaming me for what happened but later recognized his words were coming from experience i'm sure he's seen the situation end differently for other women within 30 minutes the scariest incident of my life was over but i've carried the fear the violation, and the anxiety of having someone intrude into my space for years. If it happened to me once, it could happen again. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening. Now, please consider continuing because this isn't all doom and gloom. If this or something similar has happened to you and you're still struggling with the aftermath of it... The sleepless nights, the laying awake listening for sounds of forced entry, the nightmares, the constant checking and rechecking of your locks, this is what eventually helped me. A year after this took place, my husband and I moved to the Midwest for his job. We selected a safe town with a nice apartment complex and we chose a third floor apartment with only one point of entry. I looked up every statistic on crime for the neighborhood, finding that an isolated incidence of car theft was the only thing reported for decades, and I still couldn't sleep at night. It was definitely better than staying in the same apartment in Memphis, but my husband works night shifts now, and I simply couldn't continue being terrified to sleep at night. I realized my biggest fear wasn't that something could happen again, but that if it did, I was just as unprepared now as I was then. I hadn't changed anything, well, other than locking my door, and I knew I would likely freeze up again and leave my life up to being able to hide well enough or having a door hold long enough to save me, and, well, you know, that was unacceptable. I walked into a martial arts school with an excellent self-defense program, I introduced myself and I started taking classes. At first, I was quiet. I was hiding in the back of the room and generally keeping to myself. My instructor, who was both incredibly kind and incredibly insightful, slowly built up my confidence and brought me out of my bubble of fear. After several months of training, I finally shared my reason for taking classes with him. And he's worked with me tirelessly to give me the ability to protect myself in any environment. I've been training for years now, and the difference it's made in every aspect of my life is really just unbelievable. The meek, quiet girl that waited to die in her closet doesn't exist anymore. I'm confident, I'm strong, and I'm worthy of living and protecting myself in my home. I'm no longer ashamed of how I handled the situation that I was in, but I also understand what steps I can take to ensure that I'm safe going forward. It wasn't easy, and it didn't happen overnight, but it was worth it. Now I recognize this might not be a solution or an option for everyone. Your experience is valid. And however you decide to cope with your own story is the right choice for you. This is how I happened to do it, and it's worked well for me. Thank you again for listening. I'm a little afraid to share this because I'm not sure how people will respond, but maybe doing so will help someone else that's feeling alone with this. And... The person who submitted this story says if anyone is struggling with their own story and wants a kind ear to listen, she's here. Stay safe out there. This is the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. And what makes it worse is that had things gone down differently... I might not have been here to tell this story. Okay, first things first. I'm a female, about five, seven, and I weigh about 130 pounds. This happened to me about three years ago when I was in my early twenties and still a student living in a very safe area. Growing up, I had loved martial arts and having grown up in a small, Rural town, I'd take what I can get. Karate? Fine. Judo? Sure. A hey, kung fu? Why not, man? Taekwondo? Sign me up. I loved all martial arts, and I still do, because they helped me discipline my body and my mind and grow my confidence. It had been a few years since I moved out to my country's capital to study, and I'd kind of fallen off the martial arts wagon at that point, with college taking up most of my time. I should also mention that at the time, I lived with my younger brother and our cat. We lived on the first floor, when the second floor for all my American people, right next to a military camp and a patch of forest which leads to a creek. On our back balcony... There was a circular metal ladder that would lead up to our balcony and the kitchen door, which, of course, we always kept under lock and key. Except for when the cat wanted to go out. When we'd unlock the door, he would go down the outdoor metal stairs to find his cat friends and play. I commuted to my college every day by walking 30 minutes to a bus stop and then riding the bus for an hour, and then walking another 10 minutes until I made it to campus. And when it was time to go home, I'd have to do the same thing all over again. So as you can imagine, it was very tiring. I would be out of the house every day from 10 in the morning until almost 10 at night. So when I'd come home, I'd be exhausted. I don't believe in premonitions much, but I do believe in instinct. And for quite a while, I felt like something was up with that patch of forest behind our apartment. I felt watched. Maybe it was the blackness of that patch of forest that made me feel uneasy because there wasn't a single light there. And the outdoor ladder looked like it descended into an abyss. You could take three steps into that patch of forest and you'd be under complete cover of darkness. It made me feel weird, because even though I couldn't see anything, I knew that something was up. I had no proof, but I knew it. I was in class one Wednesday afternoon with my best friend at the time, and a professor came in to pitch an internship to us. Internships aren't very well known in my country, so professors actually have to argue their case about why, as students, we could benefit from them. My best friend, I'll call her Kay, was very interested, but when the professor listed off the requirements, she realized she couldn't apply as her GPA wasn't high enough. This led to Kay having a crying fit after the class was over, which led to a panic attack and it got so bad that she called her boyfriend to come pick her up from campus. And since I didn't want to leave her alone, I stayed with her until her boyfriend showed up and got in his car with her. The conversation in the car was basically me and her boyfriend trying to console her and help cheer her up. I asked her if she'd like me to go over to her place so that we could all hang, but she said that she was okay and didn't want to put me through the hassle of commuting home the next day. By the way, she lives a full hour away by car, so that's two hours by public transport. So, it was decided that they would drop me off at my house and they would go to theirs. We get to my house at about 1900 hours, a full 3 hours before I normally come home. I hug her, I tell her to text me if she needs anything, I think her boyfriend, and I get out of the car, glad that I'll be home early for a change. I went in through the main entrance, I climbed up the stairs to the first floor, and put my key in the lock. I opened the door and called out my brother's name like I always did, and I get no response. The house was dark except for one light in the room where the front door opened into, and it was eerily quiet as well. But I felt my stomach tie into a knot because even if I couldn't hear anything, I could feel that someone was there. And when my instincts talk, I listen. I turned right into the hallway that leads into our rooms and I saw my brother's door slam shut hard as soon as I got in the hallway. My brother's room is on the end of the hallway on the left, which faces my room, which is on the right of the hallway. My first thought was that my brother had just taken a shower and forgotten to grab a towel so he made a run for it from the bathroom in embarrassment but then i heard muffled whispers coming from his room they sounded hushed and pressing i still had no reason to be afraid but i was on the high alert because i thought my brother and his friends were planning on jumping out of his room and scaring me and i was not about to let them get the satisfaction so I inch down the short hallway through the darkness and before I knock on my brother's door, I take a look at my room. It was a mess. My mattress was off of my bed entirely. My clothes and my books were all over the floor. My jewelry box was empty and thrown on my bed. All in all, it looked like a tornado had gone through there and then The hushed whispers in the next room sounded extremely pressing and anxious now that I was close. Even though I had tried to tiptoe as silently as possible, my steps could still be heard. I realized what was happening, and I went ballistic. At that moment, I lost it. My fight-or-flight instinct kicked in, and it went right into fight. The words danger, thieves, fight... They all hit me like a truck, and I threw my whole weight on my brother's door, busting the door down so furiously you'd think it owed me money. I didn't see anyone in his room, but it was also a mess as well, and I knew what I had heard. So I ran to the balcony door, I ripped the curtain out of my way, and I went through the open balcony door just in time to catch one of the thieves right after he jumped off the balcony ledge. You know, looking back on it, he looked like a normal guy. Dark hair, normal height, athletic build, had a big earring on his left ear, but at the time, he looked like a monster. A vile, putrid, home-invading, piece-of-shit thief monster. I started screaming unintelligible things as I saw him stumble around, obviously having hurt his legs from the jump, Before he got back on his feet and ran away, they were gone. I was safe, but then it hit me. Where was my laptop? I ran into my room and I tore the place apart looking for my laptop, but it was gone. I started screaming and crying. The unfairness, the audacity, and the cowardice hit me like a steel toe to the stomach. I screamed, and I cried like I was in a Grecian tragedy. I'm not rich by any means, and neither is my family. I had an old laptop, which was probably worth pennies secondhand, but I needed that laptop for my schoolwork, and without it, I couldn't finish my semester. Not to mention that I don't have any real-life friends, and the majority of my friends at the time were online, so... If I lost that laptop, I lost them too. My laptop was lost and so was I. I felt violated, I felt dirty, and I felt less than. I was afraid that I might throw up or pass out or both. I was taking such rapid and deep panicked breaths that my vision began to blur. In the most panicked and grief-stricken state that I've ever been in my life, tears start streaming down my face. I called my mom to tell her what had just happened, and she told me to call the police. It took me almost a full minute on the phone with the operator, telling her again and again where I lived, who I was, and what had just happened before she understood me and said that she'd send somebody over. A few days later, I was talking with my mother about the incident, and she told me something that hit me hard. I come from a pretty much trilingual household, and she told me that when I called her that night, she couldn't make out what language I was speaking because I had been so panicked. It makes sense why I had to repeat myself over and over to the operator. I started running around the house like a lunatic, checking every door and every lock in a frenzy until I got to the kitchen and I saw that the window had been broken. Without thinking, I slammed it shut. Uh, It's stupid, I know, but I was beside myself and I wasn't thinking straight. My brother came home a few minutes later and when he came in, he saw me panicked, crying my eyes out and speaking almost unintelligibly. He came to the bedrooms and he saw the damage and he told me to go sit in the living room and to calm down. I did as he said, and I did try to calm down, but I was still jumping at every sound, and I was starting to cry even worse, telling him I was sorry that I got home too late and that our laptops were gone. The house seemed so big to me in those moments, so dark and so hostile, I felt so small and helpless. My brother called me over to my room and showed me a pillowcase full of something. And when we looked inside, we found both laptops, all of my jewelry, my old phone, and some other stuff. They had been right in front of me the whole time, but I was so messed up that that didn't even register. The police eventually came about an hour later and did pretty much nothing, so... My brother and I took it to the police station and filed a report of the incident, and since I had seen half of the culprits' faces, they asked me to come in for an identification. They even sent someone over to dust for prints, but nothing ever came of it. The police said that since they didn't even have a backpack to put the loot in and resorted to using one of our pillowcases, they were almost 100% junkies. We had the outdoor metallic ladder ripped off our kitchen balcony, much to my cat's displeasure, since that's how they got in, and we also installed several motion-detecting lights. For the next few months, I was constantly on edge, and every time I passed near some suspicious characters who hang around my usual bus stop, I felt a, a violent rage boil in me. I caught myself looking for the man that I had seen, ready to beat him within an inch of his life. But I never saw him, and I never heard his creepy whispering partner ever again either, and my brother and I moved away from that apartment a few months later because I I never felt comfortable in that apartment again. I picked up kickboxing, and because it's made me stronger, it's helped me to also feel safer and I also carry a knife with me now, too. I still think back on that encounter, and I realize how stupid I was. Now, what creeps me out the most is knowing that that night, there had been nothing but a thin plywood door separating me from two potentially dangerous men. Even if I know that me busting in my brother's room like a lunatic is what scared them off because of how stupidly fearless i was i also realize how bad that could have gone they could have had guns or knives they could have had pepper spray or a chain or whatever and there were two of them and only one of me and if they ganged up on me even with the adrenaline having turned me into doom guy i don't know how much of a chance i realistically stood against two men high on whatever they were on, and desperate enough to break into an apartment and stuff loot in a pillowcase. Had they been willing to put up a fight, this would have ended very, very bad for me. What I do know is that I probably still would have busted in there like the Doom guy. So, to the creepy and cowardly bastards who dared to break into my apartment tried to rob me and my brother and ended up traumatizing me so bad that I had to move. I hope for your sake that we never meet again because I've been kicking that sandbag for two years now and picturing your face every single time. Well, here's some backstory. I'm 17 years old, I'm about to be a senior in high school, and I worked at a vet clinic as a kennel worker for two years. Now, my mom worked there, so that's how I was able to start working there before I was 16. So, it's common for people to ask me to watch their pets or help them with things that are pet-related. That's how I ended up staying at one of my teacher's houses these past few days. On Monday morning, I went over to their house and I started settling in. I should mention that they just moved in a week ago, so this house is still fairly empty-ish and there are quite a few boxes. I spent the day hanging out with the dogs. There was a younger dog named Milo and an older dog named Chili until my mom had me go home for dinner. I was gone for eh, a couple of hours and went back when the sun has just set. When I had left the house, I had turned off all the lights. However, when I got back to the house, the downstairs bathroom light and front hall light were on, which unsettled me a little. But I just assumed that one of their neighbor friends had stopped by and come in, The key to the house is left under a doormat to the back door, which is something only me and a few of their family friends were aware of. I ignored it and I just started getting ready for bed. I decided to sleep in the living room because it's the coldest room in the house, so I closed the doors which connect the living room to the dining room and the sunroom. The doors to these rooms are all glass which is going to be important later on. The dogs settled down and I started to as well. Eventually I fell asleep and was woken up a few hours later to the dogs both up and growling at the doors which scared me because in the years that I've known these dogs I've never heard them growl. but. I figure it's just them being anxious in a new house with new smells and new sounds so i brushed it off and eventually fell back to sleep tuesday night was uneventful the dogs slept through the night and so did i wednesday night was when things went wrong though i got back to the house a little after eight after having been gone at work for a few hours and I was greeted at the door by the dogs. This was odd to me as I had put them in the sunroom before I left, so they should have still been in there. The door leading into the sunroom from the living room had been opened, and the ceiling fans, which were previously on, had been turned off. I'm a pretty paranoid person when it comes to being home alone, so I immediately wanted to just leave, but... I had promised my teacher that I would sleep there with the dogs at night to watch the house, so I just closed the doors and I locked down the house so I could start getting ready for bed. As I was lying on the couch, I saw Milo kept pacing and staring up at the stairs. So was something that I quickly noticed. What worries me is when he stops and stands at the base of the stairs and starts growling and barking up the stairs. Again, these dogs rarely ever growl, so I started freaking out a bit when he started doing this. I tried to call him over to me, but he just continued to growl up the stairs. Eventually, he did come over to me and sat with me on the couch, but he continued to stare at the upper part of the stairs. I started to try to relax again, and I turned off the lamp next to me, and I laid down. The way I was positioned, I could see through the dining room into the sunroom. Now, their sunroom is all windows and no curtains, and I don't know, maybe all sunrooms are like this? I mean, I wouldn't know. And the light from the street was shining into the room, lighting it up just the slightest bit. I started to doze off when I noticed that I couldn't see any light coming in from the street anymore. And this is when the dogs start going nuts again. Both of them got up and started growling. Milo went over to the stairs while Chili stayed at the door separating the living room from the dining room. I was freaking out, but I didn't see any movement in the sunroom. So instead of calling the cops or anything, I just called my mom, who refused to come to the house to get me. (laughs) Yeah, thanks mom. So I called my grandpa and I had him stay on the phone with me while I got my shoes on and I bolted. I went out the back door so that I could grab the key off of the counter on my way out and as I got to the gate leading out to the sidewalk I noticed it was open just a little bit. I didn't even bother thinking about why it was open and I just ran. The way that I went, there's a junior high school that separates the street that my teacher lives on, which is street A, and the street that I live on, which is street B, about two streets down from the junior high. A lot of people cut through the parking lot as it leads right to street A, so I decided to go that route. Here's where it gets creepier for me. As I was passing, the actual school itself... I noticed that one of the side doors to the school was open, and the darkness from the hallway seemed like it was pouring out of the door. It was something straight out of a horror movie, which is why it scared me more than the incident in the house. I started running faster, and eventually I made it home. Now I'm in my room with my dog typing all of this out, still freaking out. Thank you for anyone that read or listened to this. I'm sorry it was so long, but I tend to ramble when I'm scared. I'm going to try to get some sleep. If you like these scary stories, then click the video on the screen now to hear more just like it. And... I know that you're pretty sure all of your doors and windows are locked, but go check.
0: usaa insurance to help you save take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride discover how we're helping members save at usaa.com bundle USAA. restrictions apply cuando tienes demasiada hambre y te acuerdas que tienes suficientes reward points para canjearlos por McDonald's gratis a eso le llamo pensar
1: inteligentemente obtén comida gratis con el app de McDonald's para pa pa pa